1: Wait, Braden Point got what? It's your Yahoo Sports Canada daily podcast for Tuesday, September 24th. But first, sports. So, Braden Point signed a bridge deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three years, 6.75 million per, and hmm, that once again is an RFA signing for a lot less than Mitch Marner did. Like four plus million less than Mitch Marner for the next three seasons. And doing it on a team that has put up some of the best point totals in the modern game. And it gives them a little bit more room to maneuver as they continue to lead the way for the NHL's Eastern Conference elite. And believe it or not... Maple Leafs fans freaked out a little bit about this. I, I know. <laughs> Crazy. But here's the thing. Marner was considered the top of the RFA class, for sure. Well, maybe not for sure. That's the thing. He he isn't far and away more valuable than Braden Point. If you look at their totals in the last two seasons, they're nearly identical. And it could be argued that as a two-way player and somebody who plays center, Point actually has a lot of things in his favor, for being more valuable than Mitch Marner. So how do two teams, the Leafs and the Lightning, both in reasonably similar situations, both signing fairly similar players, end up with such radically different valuations? First and foremost, look at the term. And I know it's a cop-out easy answer, but it's true. The NHL could be in for a world of change in the next three seasons, and points value three years from now, could skyrocket under a new CBA and in a league with a new TV deal and a new franchise in Seattle. But still, that's a lot of money between them. And none of that, well, what about 2022 stuff, really makes Leafs fans feel any better about watching Braden Point and the Lightning once again win the division while he makes less money than William Nylander and while Nikita Kucherov wins a scoring title with an AAV that would make him the fourth highest paid player on the Maple Leafs. It's a complicated situation and one that can be drowned out just a touch thanks to the lovely but reactionary Toronto media because they are absolutely certain that every piece of Maple Leafs news is either a huge win or a huge loss for the Leafs, whether or not it actually is Maple Leafs news. So, to sort through this this morning, I'm calling up an old friend. He took a few years away from the media game to serve as the VP of communications and PR for the Florida Panthers, and he has returned to take up the mantle as the senior Vancouver Canucks writer for The Athletic, Mr. Thomas Drance. Drantz, my friend, how should people be looking at this? As Braden Point and basically every other RFA that is signed comes in well below that high watermark set by Mitch Marner.
0: When you consider Toronto's interest was in doing something that locked him in long term, and when you consider the fact that Marner's overall uh, performance and value to a team is, is simply higher than, than it is for a player, certainly like Besser, and very probably a player like Point as well, uh, you know, I, I think Toronto may be overpaid a bit. I think, certainly from reports, it sounds like they kind of understand that. However, when you're buying out both of a player's sort of arbitration eligible years in addition to two years of unrestricted free agency you know, you're going to pay more. The way to look at it is not to look at overall value and be like, well, the Tampa Bay Lightning got a huge steal on Point. The fact of the matter is, is Point's still going to need another deal down the road in three years. And by the time you factor in his earnings over those three seasons, which with the U.S. uh, TV deal kicking in uh, with Seattle expansion, uh, could set the cap even higher. I mean, we don't really know what the cap realities will look like. So when someone tweets, you know, Marner 65 over six point 20 over three, and it looks ugly for the Maple Leafs by the time you factor in those next three seasons, right? Which could end up being something like 15 plus, depending on where the market goes. It's sort of far too early to tell that the point deal was a lot better than what the Maple Leafs got with, with Marner. Yeah. Marna. yeah. Um, I, I'd say that's extremely premature. And then finally, I'd just say, this is the Lightning's overall sort of modus operandi. And we've seen it ever since they locked up Headman uh, and Stamkos to those contracts a couple of years back. Um, They're going to bridge everybody. It keeps their cap relatively low, but it creates, you know, a a real opportunity cost over the long term. in that, you know, when guys are signing these six, seven year second contracts, their agents are telling them like, by the end, by the end of your deal, you're probably going to be underpaid. Um, And that's, that's just, you know, again, I think tidy bit of work for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Braden Point's an exceptional two-way center. Uh, I think he's a, a true star. Uh, but you know, we'll see what his, what sort of, what the market he's looking at in a couple of years looks like. Um, but, but it could be dramatically different. And over the course of the actual passing of six years of time, um, I, I don't think it's inconceivable that Point comes much, uh, much closer to. Uh, Marner's total earnings uh, than it might seem on the day he signed his deal.
1: So you're back in the media fold as part of Vancouver Canucks coverage, back home, back where you uh, got it all started. How do you feel about looking at the team right now through just a few preseason games and and camp? What's the vibe you're getting off of this year's Canucks team? Yeah, I think
0: there's no question that the Canucks are going to be better and more talented than they were when we last we saw them. Uh, You know, they were an 81-point team, I think, last year, uh, off the top of my head. Um, But they were always a a bit of an annoying team to play against. You know, they are a pretty disciplined team, system-wise. I think they tend to have four guys back. (laughs) They're they're pretty good at playing Travis Green's system. Uh, The problem is that they haven't had the horses. And and when I say that they haven't had the horses, I mean, I don't know that they've had any horses at all. And... (laughs) When you look at this team and you look at the additions of, you know, guys like JT Miller obviously came at a high cost, but nonetheless, uh, Michael Furland, uh, when you look at another year of development from Elias Pettersson, when you look at Brock Besser entering his third season and, you know, finally getting most of a training camp in, um, you know, I think there's genuine reasons to be optimistic that they should be significantly better than they were last season. You know, I think there's a shot that they could make some noise if, if things come together, if they get off to a hot, hot start and if things break their way. But, you know, considering everything this does need to go right, this is still a club with a small margin for error, um, you know, that's going to need a, a fair bit of good fortune, I think, to, to get to where they want to be. And, you know, I think the stakes are high for the management group and the expectations are high in the city.
1: So you're, I said, back in the media, working with the Canucks, because you spent the last couple of years right. with the Florida Panthers organization. How has it felt? I know it's just through preseason, but how has it felt to be back, uh, having experienced now both sides of, of what, you know, of hockey coverage and being part of a team?
0: A lot less glamorous, I say, as I stand outside of a brown social house in the rain in Abbotsford, British Columbia, uh, ahead of a neutral site preseason game between the Canucks and the Ottawa Senators. Um You know, I don't have a day room today, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that said, I I will say the fact of the matter is I love covering hockey, and I love directly telling hockey stories, and I love writing about the game. And I missed it. I missed it a lot on the other side.
1: Uh, Is there anything you learned from, that, from like, working on the other side that you can now – you look at being a media member and you go, oh, man, I I had that, like – Totally wrong, or I didn't understand that part of it. <laughs> I think,
0: you know, and I didn't do this a ton, but I think the criticism of coaches in particular gets a little um, carried away <laughs> now that I've seen just how hard NHL coaches work and, and how high their level of knowledge is on a day to day basis. You know, the way that they Watch video and what they take away from it it's it's mind-blowing and then you go on twitter and you see people being like well if only they optimized their third defense pair (laughs) right and 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 fair enough i mean you know i'm not saying these people are beyond criticism obviously they shouldn't but um you know I, i would say that when you see the amount of thought that goes into some of these decisions um
1: you know i think i've sort of got a new respect for that And just a few more things before we send you on your way. This morning, you want to talk relatable. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. clarified some comments that he has obviously lifted weights before. And while we we're canvassing answers on that, by the way, so have I. Uh, he set the record straight after some words were misconstrued over the weekend. He meant to say that it was never like a weight-focused offseason program he'd done. He'd flipped tires and done conditioning and done all that like IG video workout stuff, but never straight weights while in the Dominican He did uh, let it leak. And I don't think this is a surprise to anybody that has watched him in September and August that he hasn't felt 100% lately and it's a little tired as the season wears on. The quotes do go on to get a lot more optimistic. Vladdy has stated his goal for next year, 2020, is to stick at third base and to play all 162 and to keep up his conditioning, to stay at the hot corner for as long as possible. You know the ivory tower front office would love for that to be the case and for him to stay as the third baseman. But uh, we shall see on that. WWE star Lacey Evans fooled a ton of Canadians and news stations with a video she posted of herself getting pulled over in Edmonton before a WWE event. She insulted Canada, the whole nine. She insulted the RCMP. uh, And plenty of publications ran with it as a story. And that, my friends, is called Getting Worked. Out-of-town heel heat. It's like the oldest thing in pro wrestling. And the backlash to this got so severe that she had to post a non kayfabe explanation that she was just doing a bit. The traffic ticket is real. That's a shoot, brother. But the officer calling her by her ring name and her admonishing him with wrestling catchphrases was fake. To which I say, holy hell, obviously, you jabroni marks. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh boy. And finally, Clay Thompson said that his injury changed the course of the NBA finals. He let it be known that he thinks the Warriors would have won if he didn't get hurt. But that's the nature of sport, isn't it? Obviously, Clay, you know, Clay's not gonna say, hey, you know, even if I play, did you see how hot Kyle Lowry was in game six? Is a rap. But I mean, I just said it and I mean it. <laughs> it's too bad though. I love Clay Thompson, and by his own estimation, he thinks he's playing the best basketball of his career in that series. Be that as it may, my friends, do not forget the Toronto Raptors are the reigning, defending NBA champions. And on that note, that is all for this morning. Get out there and enjoy your Tuesday.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.